Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. In Santa Rosa, California, a new apartment building stands on the site where there once was a mobile home park. The name was Journey's End, which is kind of scary. From the window of a second-story apartment, Bob Sparks can see the lot where he used to live. It was a park for senior citizens. I was kind of hesitant about moving there because it said Journey's End. Name aside, when Bob was ready to retire, he says the park checked a lot of boxes. It was affordable. It was near his family. And there was a hospital right next door. He moved in in 2013, and he really liked it there, even if no one wanted to sit near him and his friends during bingo night. Because we were all laughing and talking because we were really interested in playing bingo. We were there for the pie and the cake at break time. (laughs) So, but we had a good time. Looking out from his apartment, the streets are still there, but the homes are all gone. Many of them destroyed during the Tubbs fire, which burned through more than 5,600 buildings and claimed 22 lives, including two of the park's residents. I went with KQED climate reporter Danielle Venton to visit the site. She was there in 2017, the morning after the fire broke out. And I was in such a state of shock. Like, it was still smoldering. You know, there were, like, melted cars, all the homes reduced to rubble, like, just a lot of twisted metal. In the same way Hurricane Katrina was a wake-up call for so many living on the water's edge, the Tubbs fire was a major turning point for many of us here in California. It was my first time seeing just like a field of destruction. I remember worrying that everybody got out safe. Now I know that two people didn't. And just a big sense of shock, having not seen something like that before. It wasn't just the level of destruction. It was where it happened. That was the crazy thing about this fire. When most people think of fires in California, they think chaparral burning on mountainsides, forest fires tearing through timber. Journey's End was surrounded by asphalt, a six-lane highway on one side, a five-lane thoroughfare on the other. It got too close to the gates of civilization. You know, it like took down the gates. You know, if a place like this can burn down, does that mean that everywhere can burn down? This fire kicked off years of huge wildfires across the West that began rewriting how we live with risk. I'm Erin Baldessari, and this is Sold Out, Rethinking Housing in America, a KQED podcast where we reimagine what home should be. Today on the show, Danielle dives into the wild world of insurance. As natural disasters happen more often and become more severe, She looks at the way insurance gives our lives some stability amid this chaos, and what's at risk when even that system starts to fail.
When I drive up Mark West Springs Road through the hills of Santa Rosa, I see the tale of wildfire written on the landscape. You drove up this road, right? Is it all overgrown again? I'm here to meet Jason Majors. He always has fire safety on his mind. And he's annoyed by all the brushy regrowth going wild. It is worse now than before the Tubbs fire. That is a main road in and out. The night the Tubbs fire started, his wife was at home, recovering from a bad accident in a hospital bed. And it was late at night, and um, we were hearing fire trucks going all over the place. So he left to check out what was happening. I hop in my truck, I go up to the top of Franz Valley Road. And I look around, I see no flames, see no smoke, nothing. But he says, things felt weird. They called emergency dispatch and were assured the fires were far away, no need to worry. Just to be safe, he decided to hook up the family's travel trailer in case they needed to leave. Soon his son, about 12 at the time, came running. He's like, Daddy, 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 the, it's on fire, it's on fire. I'm like, no, but I literally just came down from the top of the hill. It, we're okay. He's like, Daddy, 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 it's a fire, there's a fire. I'm like, no, it, there's not. And he's like, Daddy, there's a fire. And so I came over here, and sure as shit, there you can see the glow right there. So it's, it was moving fast. I left the trailer, I picked up my wife, put her in a car, put my son in the car with her, and got them to the bottom of the hill. And then I came back up and started loading everything up. I videotaped all the internal stuff in my house because I just assumed it was going to be gone, and went down. And calling neighbors as I was going, saying, hey, there's, there's fire coming. In the end, though, while many of Jason's neighbors' homes didn't make it, his did. Why do you think your house didn't burn? Because of the defensible space. He trims trees and clears brush, reducing the risk of fire around his house. He has mesh over the vents to keep embers out of the attic. He makes sure nothing that can catch fire is too close to the walls or roof. But the house where he raised his son and kept chickens and goats, is up for sale. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a divorce, so we have to sell the house. That's part of the deal. And so we put it on the market almost 90 days ago now. And we've had quite a few showings. But he's having trouble selling it. Prospective buyers can't get insurance, at least insurance that they can afford and are happy with. I was just told that that's, that's been one of the reasons why People haven't been able to put offers on the house. Jason has had his insurance canceled four times. That's while the house has survived five fires. The Tubbs, Kincaid, Wallbridge, Hennessy, and Glass fires. He doesn't know if his luck will hold. So I still currently have insurance. Um, it hasn't changed. Um, he knocks on wood. And, but I don't know when it, when it will be here or not be here. And the majority of my neighbors, everyone doesn't know if they're going to have insurance. Meanwhile, he's had to drop the price of the house, eroding how much money he'll have for this new phase of life. I think we're on our second price drop, and going to have to do three. It's just continuing to fall. (laughs) Don't know what to do about it, um, and I don't know what to say to a buyer. California's insurance crisis has come for homeowners. Whether they can't get insurance, can't sell their home, or can't afford their new premiums. I can't imagine somebody who's on a fixed income 
now going from what was probably between a thousand to just say twenty five hundred dollars for homeowners insurance to now fifteen thousand dollars. How do you do that? And so the option is, is you're not insured. And so now your whole home is now if it catches on fire, you're done. In the last 12 months, seven of the top 12 insurance companies in California pulled away from the state. State Farm, Allstate Insurance, Farmers Insurance has become the third major insurance company to limit new policies in California. The bottom line for the insurance industry is climate change is completely upending their business and they're not quite sure what you do about it. Lawmakers are worried too. There's been a flurry of speculation and accusations about how to fix the problem. It's crucial, though, that it does get fixed, because for average people, insurance is the first line of defense against climate change. Or, as insurance expert Jerry Theodoru told Congress, Insurance is the economy's financial first responder, paying claims, getting customers back on their feet. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse from Rhode Island has a term for what's at stake. Global systemic risk. It has a rather bland quality to it, but it describes something that is anything but bland. Talking about this stuff is bland in the way talking about subprime mortgages seemed in 2007, before they triggered a global financial meltdown. And the situation in the insurance market right now poses the same kind of ripple effect risk to the overall economy. You won't have to have property in flood zones or wildfire country to feel the pain. He means the pain can spread. Insurance woes are like a fever telling us we're sick with a virus. And the virus is that our lives have become too dangerous because of where we build, how we build, and all the things we haven't done to slow climate change. The people who are feeling this pain first are individual homeowners, but the problems are spreading beyond that to whole communities. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Delfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. If you are here for celebrating new beginnings, uh, one year out from the mill fire, you are in the right place. Minister Mark DeBelka welcomes everyone to his service to remember what was lost a year ago and help survivors move on. 
Behind him, Mount Shasta, with snow on its upper reaches even in late summer, dominates the view. And let me tell you, there are very few views better of that mountain than right over there in the heights. Over there in the heights is Lincoln Heights, a close-knit neighborhood in the city of Weed in far northern California. It was almost entirely destroyed in September 2022 by the mill fire. After lunch, an ice cream truck pulls up, and Denise Hopkins, who spent months helping organize this day, is pushing the treats. Drumsticks, Klondike bars, it's its. Did you guys get a ice cream treat? The ice cream truck yeah, is there. Yeah, you yeah better, better get a Oh, oh ice come cream. on. <laughs> go. Go, go ahead and get one. Denise and her husband Chester have deep roots here. They went to the same high school. They were delivered in the same hospital by the same doctor. Their families are woven into the city's history. His grandpa was one of the first. I think his grandpa came here in 18-something. So he was one of the first uh, migrated. He came out for International Paper Company. More than 100 years ago, the International Paper Company recruited workers from the South, including Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, luring them to this small town offering housing and good-paying jobs. And it wasn't all piddly amount of money. That resulted in a fairly large black community, which is rare in this rural part of California. Everybody knew everybody. I loved raising my kids here because I didn't have to worry about them being in front of the house. I didn't have to worry about them. I could let them go not only in front of our house, but come across the street and go to that park. Visiting the street where Denise raised her kids, you get a sense of how cozy it was. My cousin lived like four hours down, and then next to her was my other cousin. And then next to her was my aunt. Pretty much all relatives. Like almost everyone in the Heights, Denise and her husband Chester fled the fire and lost their home. Most of the lots on her street are bare right now, scraped clean, waiting for crews to pour foundations. How much of the neighborhood do you think will come back? We're hoping. If we get 50%, I'll be good. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what we're trusting God. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're putting yeah. our trust in God that we have at least 50%. One big reason people can't rebuild, they didn't have enough insurance coverage, or any at all. A fire broke out in the area about 10 years ago, near Denise's mother's home. It prompted Denise and Chester to make sure their coverage was up to date. So if we called our insurance, and we said, hey, we need to make sure that we have adequate insurance. So we need to pop it up or push it up to whatever you need to get us so that we have enough coverage. But a lot of her neighbors didn't. Many of the homes were paid off and passed down through generations, so banks didn't require insurance to cover mortgages. That happened a lot to two people here, that they were very, very, very underinsured. So that's one of the things influencing who can rebuild and who can't. When she thinks about the loss of her old neighborhood, Denise gets tears in her eyes. But um, it'll never be the same because the fire, fire caused disruption to our neighbors and now some of them may not, may or may not be able to build back over here. And that's the hurtful part about it. She and Chester are still invested in the community even though they know it'll never be the same. They're rebuilding, not that they're thrilled about it. We really didn't want to be at this age rebuilding anything. (laughs) That is the truth, you know, because there's more into it than just rebuilding. I'm going to rebuild. At the same time, 
their insurance went way up. It doubled to, to renew it, it was doubled. I paid it because we need to keep insurance, but it doubled. The Hopkins do worry about their future coverage and what'll happen if there's another fire. Yep. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> yep that's one of the big things. It's, it's, a big, it's a big thing about that. They see others leaving California. You know, just listening to people. They're going to Montana. They're going to Idaho. They're just, you know. But, but then again, as I watch things, Everybody's having different problems. So, you know, I, I wouldn't leave California. Well, I'm just a California boy. I don't, I don't think, I ain't going nowhere. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't go to those other states because we all having problems. You got tornadoes, you got hurricanes, you got floods. With all of California's insurance problems, it's sort of surprising that most policies in this state cost quite a bit less than in others with similar climate threats, like Florida and Louisiana. In California, insurance regulators tell companies they can't hike their prices too much without state approval. Companies say it's one of the big reasons they're leaving. In the last few years, they've paid out a lot more than they've brought in as profits. Another reason is problems with the FAIR plan. Which is supposed to be sort of a temporary last resort um, insurance policy. Michael Wara is a climate and energy expert at Stanford. It's becoming kind of a permanent insurance policy for many people in high fire risk areas in California. The FAIR plan is regulated by California, but funded and managed by private insurers. It's where you can get some coverage when no one else will take you. But the foundation of this plan is really shaky, and the more people who join, the worse it gets. Its use has doubled in just five years as insurance companies have abandoned risky areas. The economic structure of the fair plan is that the parties pay, you know, homeowners pay a lot more money for less insurance, and, and hopefully that's enough. The reality is it's not. That means it's not necessarily gonna pay you enough to rebuild. Among its customers, it's sometimes called the unfair plan. And because it covers the riskiest cases, the plan is just about one big disaster away from not having enough money to pay claims. If the FAIR plan were a regular insurer, the Department of Insurance would have to step in and shut it down, put it under receivership because it's so undercapitalized. If the FAIR plan goes under, insurance companies are on the hook to pay out the plan's claims. Many would go bankrupt. Home buying, selling, and building in California could suddenly stop. That would create what economists call contagion, a viral chain of failures. People would default on mortgages, and the wealth tied up in their homes would evaporate. That would create economic chaos. Companies could fold, people could lose their jobs. So there are no easy fixes here. But solutions lie along two paths. One, we can charge more for insurance so risk is priced accurately. Two, we can reduce risk. As unpopular as the first option might be, I think we can confidently say the era of cheap insurance is over across California. Climate change has killed it. Everybody who's lived through the last five years understands that the fire risk as they understood it in the summer of 2017 is, is not actually the risk today. And things are, things are more dangerous maybe than they assumed. If you grant that, then insurance costs also need to be a bit higher. 
But as insurance companies stopped offering policies, California's Insurance Commission avoided talking about raising rates for most of the year. Instead, spokesperson Michael Soller said California was most focused on encouraging fire safety. We need a full-on, all-of-government approach to reducing risks. That includes cutting back trees, clearing brush, like Jason Majors does, retrofitting homes to be fire-resistant, and treating forests with prescribed burns to keep wildfires controllable. There are achievable, cost-effective things you can do that'll have an impact on whether your house burns or survives. That's an important step forward. The Department of Insurance has outlined steps that make a home safer. Insurance companies are supposed to offer discounts for those things. But what a single homeowner does and how that affects their insurance rate is opaque. It's one of the things that drives Jason nuts. He spends days every year preparing for fires. They're saying, oh yeah, you can do do this work on your home. And then the carrier will give you a price reduction. Well, that's not true. The insurance commissioner is saying that, but the carriers aren't following up on that. They might say they will consider it, but there is no binding agreement that if you do this type of work, it's going to matter. To really reduce risk, you have to think beyond individual homes to the whole neighborhood. You're only as safe as your least safe neighbor. That's Barbara Lee's approach. She's Sonoma County's Climate Action Director. You can make something a little bit safer, but if you leave something really glaring that is a high fire risk, it doesn't matter a whole lot that you did the little thing. She's behind one of the first financial assistance programs meant to help high fire risk neighborhoods become safer. Whole neighborhoods would make themselves fire ready, and in exchange, homeowners would get a guarantee of reliable coverage. But the plan stalled when the big insurers pulled out of California's market. We were moving along really nicely with our conversations, and then the whole thing just froze. Everybody's a little bit worried about moving in a particular direction right now, so we're just waiting. Lee knows there's a terrible irony to just waiting at a time when the state is crying out for solutions to this problem. But there has been some momentum on this front. This fall, California's governor issued an executive order calling for action to stabilize the market. Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara announced a deal in a press conference. It has become clear that California's current regulatory framework does not meet our current needs. Insurance companies would write more policies in fire-prone parts of the state. In exchange, they could consider future climate risk in their pricing and more easily raise rates. The new rules are slated to go into effect next year. But Lara acknowledged it's not clear how quickly or completely this will fix things. It is not going to be easy or happen overnight. We are in really uncharted territory, and we must make difficult choices. And this agreement on its own doesn't do much to reduce risk, which is the source of this problem. Though at least one insurance company wants to be part of that solution, too. There's a Northern California group exploring how to make forests healthier by lighting planned beneficial fires to stop wildfire destruction before it reaches customers' homes. Jeff Hubner is the top risk officer for Northern California's AAA home insurance company. And we've been thinking about what we can do to help them recover after an event, as well as what we can do to move upstream and prevent the frequency and severity of wildfires to begin with. 
Prescribed fires are sometimes called good fire. They clean up the forest floor, meaning there's less to burn if a wildfire comes through. Here's how it works. Crews drop fire on the ground with drip torches, while others watch, careful to ensure the fire stays within its box. Hubner's company is fronting some of the costs for the Forest Service to light prescribed fires in the Tahoe National Forest. It's a pretty radical idea for an insurance company to assist public agencies in reducing fire risk and protecting homes. But it could be the way of the future. It would be wonderful if it makes a difference in a few small communities and if it shows the way for much larger investment that could take place in many, many communities, not just across California, uh, but as we've seen in Hawaii and in other states, it's a much larger problem uh, that, uh, that exists that we all need to address. Rita Clipperton is the burn boss on a recent prescribed fire in the Tahoe National Forest. The location of this project is crucial for a critical access point for the communities up here, and there's um, homes around it. Her crew is mopping up after the fire. It's hard work, it's dirty, and it's very important. Ryan Kushner finds a still-burning ember. It's not bad. Stir it up a little bit. All right, I'll give it some love. Kushner swirls the dirt with a hand to it and feels the ground to make sure no heat remains. All right. In this densely forested area, Rita pushes this fire right up to the property lines of nearby homes, leaving them much safer from wildfires for years to come. So we hope that if there were a fire in area, this would be a good location to suppress fire, protect the homes. While this wasn't a AAA-financed fire, the company has been helping burn other plots of land in the area. The goals are the same. Make the forest healthier, protect homes, and, crucially for Hubner, prove a concept. Would you like to see other companies join this effort? We would love to. If that happened, if insurance companies became truly, like actually invested in assisting with fire safety, it could be really good. It could mean healthier forests, less destruction, more stable, secure lives for Californians. It would dial down the climate risk and help us live in better harmony with fire. Fire will always be part of our landscape. It was here before there was insurance, and it'll still be here when insurance is no more. Jason recently texted me. He sent me a report about how climate change is showing up in the real estate market. He told me he finally accepted an offer on the house after he dropped the price four times. That was Danielle Venton. I'm Aaron Baldessari, and this is Sold Out, Rethinking Housing in America. If you like what you hear, do us a favor. Drop a review or hit that follow button on your favorite podcast app. It really helps people find the show. Next week, it's a special one for me. We're going to my hometown in Nevada County, California, a semi-rural community in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains, to take a look at what it means to live in fire country in an era of increasingly destructive wildfires. Sold Out is a production of KQED. This episode was written and reported by Danielle Venton and edited by Erica Kelly and Kevin Stark. Jen Chien is our contributing editor. Brendan Willard is our sound engineer. And Cedric Wilson wrote our theme song. Thank you to the KQED podcast team, including Katie Sprenger, Cesar Saldana, and Maha Sanad. 
A special thanks to Sold Out co-creator and former co-host Molly Solomon. Our senior leadership team includes Ethan Tovin Lindsay, Holly Kernan, and Otis Taylor Jr. Thanks so much for listening. We're back next week with our final episode. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.